this, this last week, uh, as, as I was watching some of the devastation, I, I remembered um, some of the pictures that we saw, these trees. I remember trees. And I want to talk a little bit about trees today. Can you go with me if we talk about trees a little bit? And I think there'll be a tie-in. I think you'll be able to get there. But, but I, anytime you talk about trees in this part of the country, one of the first things that you think about is those great redwood trees in California, right? Those huge trees. Look at that, look at that person looking at the, the redwood trees. Now, this could have been photoshopped. I don't know. But those trees are humongous, are they not? How many of you have seen the redwood trees in California? Humongous. And you think to yourself, the roots of those trees must go all the way through the earth to the other side. They don't. Um, actually, the roots aren't that deep, the redwood trees. And what makes them so strong is that they're interconnected with other root systems from other trees that, that create the support from the, the community of trees that exist. Now, are there some faith lessons in there or what? I'll get there. The theology of trees. God loves trees. When he created Eden, there were two trees that the Bible talks about. And in Revelation, at the end of the Bible, there are two trees that are, that are pictured there as well. And in the middle of the Bible, there is a tree that Jesus is killed on. Like throughout, there's this thing with trees in the Bible. Uh, I grew up in the South, and these other trees here... Uh, on this picture, these are Alabama trees. These are Alabama pines, and they are awesome. I love Alabama pine trees. And when I was watching some of the devastation, these were the trees that I saw snapped, uh, almost like matchsticks. You know, you, you see these pictures of trees that are just like snapped in half. These are some of those, those kinds of trees. And I, I grew up around trees like this, exploring in the woods and trying to get in as much trouble as possible. We used to have BB gun wars. Not a great idea. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not even sure if my parents knew that until just now when I said it. But um, we used to have BB gun wars. And we'd go in the trees and we would hide and we'd peek out from behind the trees. Trees provided some protection for us um, from time to time. They, they also provide protection for something we called chiggers in the south. <laughs> not friendly creatures. They find their way into all sorts of places. Anyway, I've, I've grown to love another kind of tree here in Arizona. And in the summer, I've grown to love this tree. Uh, it's like an olive tree or a Palo Verde tree in the middle of a parking lot all by itself. I love those trees. And they are like magnets for us in the summer, aren't they? They draw us in and they, they call from afar, park here. And we're like, yes, I will. I'll park there and I'll walk a mile just so my car is not on fire when I get back. When I, when I grew up, uh, every Thanksgiving we would we'd drive over uh, through Atlanta and then north up through the Blue Ridge Mountains. Anybody ever been to the Blue Ridge Mountains? Oh, Trees. We live in a desert. <laughs> I mean, this, this is the kind of view when you would drive up through the Blue Ridge Parkway uh, around Thanksgiving, usually a little bit before Thanksgiving. This is the kind of view that you could expect all these trees and the beauty uh, of those trees. There's something about all trees. Trees have roots. And when it comes to the book of Colossians, uh, it's one of the, the primary focuses that, uh, that Paul wants Christians to understand. Is, is it's not just about trees having roots, it's about people having roots. 
And you have roots, and I have roots, and some of those roots are family roots. Some are uh, locational roots. Uh, I grew up in the South. There's something about the South that every now and then it just draws me back. I don't want to live there, but uh, there's just something about it. I have roots there. Um, so, so there's something about roots uh, and humanity that, that, that pulls us and grounds us and nourishes us. And that's where we're going. Now, um, when I was in college, and many of you have, have heard this story, I had friends who wanted to go find themselves in the trees of Colorado. Anybody? Anybody? I'm going to go find myself up in the mountains. And many times we go on this journey to find ourselves. We, we want to find uh, ourselves, and we look so often externally. And what Colossians is reminding us, don't miss this, that God doesn't want us to go discover ourselves out there. God wants to uncover something within us that is already true. Now, don't, don't miss this. Like, if, if you miss it, if, if you're going to miss the rest of the morning, don't miss this, that there is something already true about you and about me that, that God just simply wants to begin to uncover in us. It's not about finding ourselves and discovering something out there. It's about uncovering, God helping to uncover something that is already true about us. And this is this is about our identity. And as a church that's focused on Jesus, that's centered on Jesus, I want us to understand and not miss the, the, the fact that Jesus, and I know you've probably heard a lot about him in many different places, Jesus is far better than we, we've ever imagined. Jesus is far better than you've ever imagined. And I know some of us might be skeptical and have some doubts, and we wonder like God, like really, like Jesus so far removed. Jesus is better than you've ever imagined. Jesus is far better than we could ever dream. And when our roots grow down into Jesus, we discover, we uncover something within us that is already there. Last week, Cameron kicked off this, this series on Colossians. And if you have your Bibles or your journals, um, we're going to dig in to Colossians chapter 2. But last week, uh, we began with, with Colossians chapter 1. And there's this incredible passage of Scripture that, that Cameron talked about. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Like, read the stories of Jesus in the Bible, because that is God in the flesh. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. For through Jesus, God created everything, the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, the things that we can't see. Everything was created through him and for him. He's always been, and he was a part of all of creation, Jesus he existed before everything else. He holds it together. He's the head of the church, which is his body. And then Cameron, I think, helped us to kind of dig into this. For God, in all of his fullness, every bit of God himself was pleased to live in Christ. Now that is huge. Like, in all the greatness of God, the, the, the one, the being who created everything that we see, like the completeness, completeness of God lived in, in human form. That was Jesus. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. 
which includes you and me. And this is where I want to uncover some of those truths for us. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ. And this includes you. Now, I grew up in the South, and in some churches in the South, that's where people would say amen, or hallelujah, or thank God. Like, God made peace with you. This includes you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. No one excluded, even the people who didn't show up today. And some of you are like, oh, I didn't have to come. You didn't have to come. God still includes you in the mix, all of you. All of us, come on. <laughs> and that is good news. That's the good news of the Bible, is that you can't earn God's favor and his grace and his love. It is already there for you. It's just about uncovering it. It's just about opening up to the truth and the reality of what's already there. God wants us to get that, that Jesus is by himself, is far bigger than we've ever imagined. And in him, we're made complete. There is nothing that we've done to earn that. There is nothing that we can do to make it any better for ourselves. It's just done. It's who you are. You are a child of God. Whether or not you believe it, whether or not you feel like it, whether, like, it is what God has accomplished through Christ on the, on the cross for you and for me. And that, my friends, is good news. And Paul wants us to get this. So in Colossians, he just keeps coming back to it again and again. And he, and he, and he reminds us that we, we, can't, like we can't drift away from this truth. We need to be grounded in it. We need to be rooted in it. And so in chapter 2, he comes back and he says, Now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord... You must continue to follow him. So, like this, this idea of, of being rooted or grounded, foundational, as, as Cameron talked about, all of his foundational issues in his house, all that plumbing if you were here last week and they had to dig it up, like he's actually moving back in this weekend, which is awesome. Um, but like one of those foundational, it's like you can't just like set it and then leave it, but you got to stay grounded on the foundation that is there. And so Paul's reminding us of this. And this little word, Lord, like if you, if you have a Bible or in your, in your journals, you can circle that. It's okay to write in your Bibles. Did you know that? You can write in your Bibles. It's, it's good. Like circle that word, Lord, because I think so many of us think that faith is about making a statement at one point in our lives and then it's done and, it's, and we're good. But I think what Paul wants us to understand is that like when we place ourselves in Christ, when we, when we say that we want to follow him and when we call him Lord, it's much bigger than this idea that like once and done, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. But rather, like Jesus being Lord is about him being the king of our lives. It's about him being the ruler, the foundation for everything in our lives. So he says this, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. I love that. Don't let anybody capture you with these things. They just come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. For in Christ, he's going to say it again. Like, do you get the idea that, that Paul doesn't want us to miss this? For in Christ lives all the fullness of God. 
And you are complete through your union with him. You are complete through your union with Jesus. Amen. Like, yes. Thank you, God, for, for, for doing something that I cannot do on my own. That I can't earn this. I can't figure it out. I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. But, but God was, and he accomplished something. And I, all I need to do is uncover this truth. And and stand in it, stand firm in it, right? I'm going to stand firm. So here's the starting point. And this was last week. You can go back and listen. Some of you are like, you are just now catching up with where we are. But here we are. Start here. Trust Jesus. You, you can trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. You, you can trust him. He's far better than you've ever imagined. He's done far more than, than, than you've ever dreamed. And you are complete, like God in all his fullness dwells in Christ. And so you can, you can trust him. And so what does it mean to trust Jesus? Well, it means to believe him. It means to lean into him or rest in him. It, it means to learn from him. Like all of those things. You can trust him. You can believe him. You can, you can lean into Jesus knowing that he's enough. Now, here's where this meets our lives every single day. Like, there's only so many things that we can lean on. Now, I know this chair is, is pretty strong, so I can lean into this chair a certain amount, can I? Now, can I lean into this chair here? <laughs> only when, I, when, it, when it relies on the strength of my left leg can I lean into this chair very far. And pretty soon, it's not going to be enough. And some of us have learned to lean into Jesus just enough where it keeps balance in our own selves. And so it's like, I'm going to lean into Jesus, but, but I'm still going to have control. And some of us lean into multiple things. Like, I'm going to lean into my, my bank account, and it can hold me up. I'm going to lean here. My bank account can hold me up, but only so long can my bank account hold me up. And then I'm going to start to fall. And, and what Paul, I think, wants us to understand is that we can trust Jesus completely. You can sit. You, you can put your full weight on Jesus. He's enough. He's complete. He's plenty. And so trust him. So, so the big question last week was this. Have I placed my trust in the foundation that is Jesus Christ? Have you placed your trust in him? And... and some of us might say, I did. In, in, in Bible school, vacation Bible school that summer back in fifth grade, which is awesome. Those are the little seeds that continue to grow over time. I, it, when I was a kid, and, and I would ask you, have you placed your trust in Jesus today? Today. I think it's like a daily choice. We have to, like, am I, am I resting? Am I trusting? Am I putting my full weight in Jesus? Because he's enough. He is. He's enough. So that's the starting point. And then Paul continues, and, and here's where I want to just spend a little bit of time today. He says, so let your roots grow down into him. So stand firm, like have the foundation that is Jesus, but don't just stand firm. Let your roots Grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong. And the truth that you were taught. And here we come back to this again. You will overflow with, what's that word? 
thankfulness. You'll overflow with thankfulness. I mean, Paul keeps coming back to it because he wants us to understand that it's not our work, but Christ's work, and therefore we should be thankful. Like it's this reminder to be thankful in all things because it's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. Um, this summer, Robin and I, uh, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. Now, some of you are so far beyond us, right? I'm, some of you, how many of you, hold on, thank you. You need to applaud her, not me, trust me. Um, how many of you have been married for, for more than 20 years? Look around. Oh. Now, my guess is if you asked those people who said they've been married for, for more than 20 years, there was a lot of grace involved in those 20 years. Am I right? Those of you who have been married that long, there's so much, like it's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. And because of that, we've got to be thankful. I've got to thank my wife, Robin, because she puts up with me. And every now and then I'll tell you things like open cabinets and drawers and things like that. And some of you just shake your heads like, Matt, you are, you'd be terrible to live with. It's true. I am terrible to live with. And she puts, it's all grace. You overflow with thanksgiving when you realize you haven't done anything to deserve it. That it's only by God's grace that we have right standing. And he's, he's enough. And so here's the next step. So you trust Jesus. You trust Jesus. And then you remain in Jesus, like you stay there, like you don't drift away, and you don't add to it, like Jesus plus, like I think Jesus will be happy if I, if I write a check to Convoy of Hope, which Matt was talking about today, or write a check to the church. It's like Jesus plus my work, then God's going to smile upon me, and I can go get that new car, or I can get that house, or whatever it is, because it's that plus, and that's not how it works. It's Jesus only or as, as, as Cameron said last week, Jesus, period, right? It's just Jesus. So remain in him. Now, let me give you like just a, a heads up on where we're moving the next two weeks. It's not just then remain in Jesus, but it's also to follow Jesus. Yep, follow Jesus. And then finally, love like Jesus. Those are the next two weeks. I'm just giving you kind of a like foreshadowing. Like that's where we're going Trust Jesus, chapter 1. Remain in Jesus, chapter 2, because he wants to come back to it again and again. Remain in him. And this is where the roots come in. So here we go. Back to the trees. Roots. What do roots do? What do they do? Oh, he already put it up here. Here's your, here's your, here's your cheat sheet for the day. Roots anchor us to something. Roots are the pieces that keep us grounded. And so when he says, root yourself, let your roots grow down deep into Jesus, what he's saying is, anchor yourself in Jesus. Let that be what holds you fast. And here's why we need to be anchored. Because every one of us will face storms in life. Every one of us. The winds will increase. The storms will come. And what we've allowed our roots to grow down into will determine how we stand in the most difficult moments of our lives. And so he's saying, let your roots grow down into Jesus because he is sure. The foundation is strong. He's more than you imagined. He's bigger. He's better than anything you've ever dreamed of. So let your roots grow down into him so that you might be anchored. But roots don't just anchor us. They also feed us. They also feed us. 
Um, how many of you are already thinking about decorating for Christmas? Anybody? Couple? Yes. My wife talked about getting the tree out this week. Um, I said, feel free, whatever you want to do. I'll be watching my terrible football team play football. And um, uh, Christmas trees. So when I grew up, we, we always bought, uh, we, we cut down and bought real Christmas trees. Anybody love the smell of a real Christmas tree? Yes, yeah, you love it. Um, what's interesting about a real Christmas tree is we bring this beautiful tree and it smells great into our house, and then we decorate it with all of our human inventions. The balls, the lights, the um, icicles, all that kind of stuff we put on, on the tree. But all of the decoration of a Christmas tree is external. There's nothing internally that is creating the beauty of that tree. But a fruit tree naturally produces beauty. You have to do some work to trim it back and to keep it in in the right shape and to prune it and all of those things. But but a, a fruit tree just naturally produces because it has roots that are feeding it. A Christmas tree that you bring into your house has been cut off and there is nothing feeding that tree. You're just hanging stuff on it. And this is so important for the Christian life, for those of us who are following Jesus, is that if we want to be fed and produce good fruit, it's only through what we're receiving from Jesus. It's only through the roots. We can try as hard as we can. We can, we can hang some pretty stuff on, but ultimately it's out of what God does in us that becomes outwardly uh, visible for others to see. Does that make sense? Yeah, so tree anchors us, it feeds us, that, that, that produces fruit. And then the last thing is it roots also store what's needed for the future that we might not know that we're going to need. Now, come on, there is some huge spiritual truth in that because none of us knows what the future will hold, but all of us know we're going to need something in the future that we might not currently have. And who better to know what we're going to need than God himself? And when we're rooted to Jesus, when our roots have grown down into him, he has what we will one day need that we do not know today. And only through our connection and our remaining in him, being rooted in him, will we be able to draw that up. So the biggest question for me, and and maybe for some of you, is how do we do that? How do I let my roots grow down into Jesus? Now, some of this you're going to be like, oh, okay, I knew you were going to say that. But how do we, how do, we do that? Well, one of the ways, and I'm going to give you uh, three, three uh, little ideas. One of the ways and why, thi- why this has become so important to us is chair time. Chair time is an opportunity for you to spend five minutes with Jesus every single day. And I'm telling you, like some of us are like, five minutes, really? It could be transformational for you. And that's why we produce these. It's because we want to help ground our church, each of us individually, but also as, as a community, we want to ground ourselves in Jesus. And this helps us do that. This gives us every single day scripture, some questions, and prayer to, to help us let our, let our roots grow down into Jesus. And so my, my hope um, and, and what I would beg you to do is if you don't have a journal, pick one up today. Grab one on your way out and and start to spend five minutes each day with Jesus in chair time. Some of you don't need this. Some of you, you can put this aside. You feel like maybe this is too elementary. That's fine. Um, 
Some of you can just sit in your chair and close your eyes and you have the ability to let the world kind of fade off and you can just center on Jesus. God bless you. I cannot do that. I need something to, to hold me. And so this, the journal and scripture becomes that thing that keeps me grounded and rooted in Jesus. Uh, second idea, and, and all of us can do this. All of us can take five minutes. You can do it. If you have kids running around your house, do it before they wake up or after they go to bed. Like cut out those distractions. Put your phone away. Turn the TV off, what, whatever. Second one is this, is you can, you can serve Jesus by serving someone else. That helps us become rooted in Jesus. It helps us, our roots grow down into him because we begin to understand as we serve other people, we begin to understand that we're reliant upon God's grace for all that we have. So serving helps us with that. If, if, you, have, if you have a desire to do that, let us know. We can help you. We can help you serve Jesus. And then, and then the other one is to talk about Jesus every day. Just talk about him with someone. It can be your spouse. It can be your kids. It can be your coworker. It can be your boss. <laughs> That'd be a funny conversation. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus today. Some of you are like, Matt, you do not live in reality. I'm just kind of kidding about that one. But it, just talk about Jesus. You know what I found is, is if I sit down with you for any length of time, eventually I'm going to talk about my kids. You know why? Because I love them so much. Well, I should talk about Jesus because I love him so much. Like I owe my life to him. Every piece of it. It's all grace. My life is all God's grace. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. But he is. And that's what I want to root myself. So I, I want to talk about him. Okay, and then I'm going to... I'm going to finish with this, and then we're going to sing a little bit more. Um, Paul, as he's, as he's writing this, overflow with thanksgiving, and then he lands in this. Don't, don't miss this either. I know I've said that three times today. If you miss everything else, don't miss these 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> maybe some of you woke up with the laughter. Okay, you're back. Here we go. This is such a good, good reminder. You were dead. You were dead. Like Paul's writing to, to Christian. He wants us to, to grasp this. That on our own, there is no real life lasting. No substantive life Nothing that will produce real fruit. You, you were dead because of your sin. Then, again, here's the good news. Then, God made you alive with Christ. Now, how much work did we do for that, that last line? Zero. We didn't do anything. Who made us alive? God, through who? Christ. God made us alive. We were dead, and now we have life. <laughs> we're going to get there. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to put, put yourself in this. I was dead. I was dead. And now I'm alive. 
only because of Christ. Only, be, only because of Christ. I was dead, and now I'm alive. In the last chapter, um, just to remind us, and I, and I love this, um, that next slide, the death to life slide. Um, we were enemies of God. I didn't want us to miss it. So there, I, I'm helping you so you don't miss it. We were enemies of God, but now we're holy and blameless before him. You know what our tendency is as humans? Is that many, so many of us, I can't remember where I read this, but so many of us, before our life in Christ, we gave ourselves a lot of grace. Now, we pointed out everybody else's wrongdoings, but we gave ourselves a lot of grace before Christ. Like, we have the tendency to think better of ourselves. And what I found is that when we come to Christ, when we, when we trust Christ, so many of us like to focus on how bad we are. You know what I mean? Like, before Christ, we have a tendency to give ourselves a lot of grace and not other people a lot of grace. After Christ, we tend... We tend to be really hard on ourselves. God, on the other hand, before Christ, recognizes that we're dead. Like he recognizes it. It's why he went to all the work to, to his fullness to be found in Christ. And, and after Christ, he sees us as holy and blameless. How awesome is that? I mean, that's incredible. Like with all the messes, when I look in the mirror, I, and when I think through my day, like I'm a mess. I, there's chaos. There's brokenness. There's things I wish I could take back. You too, right? Some of you are lying, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a, like our lives are messes at times. There's so much brokenness. We realize, like I think if we, like we realize we need something. When God looks at us, when we're found in Christ, we are holy and blameless. Now that is good news. And that's what Paul wants us, that's what Paul wants us to, he wants us to see it again and again and again. It's good news. It's good news. It's all good news. It's all good news. And so let's, how about we sing about that a little bit? You want to like end our time together singing about that and thanking God for his grace? So would you stand with me? And as we do this, as we sing, um, We've got some stations around the room for you to respond to God's goodness. Maybe it's coming to the cross and writing out a note that just says, thank you, God, for your grace. Maybe that's it today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for making me alive. Just write it down and put it up on the cross. There's candles in the back of the room, and some of you are going to be very thankful today. We added candles because we've been running out of candles. So we doubled the candles, so plenty of candles. Light represents God's presence. And so lighting a candle isn't just this... Uh, it's, it's not just this religious experience, but it's, it's, it's to, to help us understand that God is with us. So light a candle if you want to do that. There's communion in the back of the room. There's a prayer team in the far back corner if you want someone to pray with you. Communion represents uh, what God did through Christ. And so today, maybe you just want to take communion and taste his forgiveness. The bread that represents his body, the, the cup that represents his blood poured out for us and what God's done for us.